Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You literally gloss over it. We're alone together, boyfriend and girlfriend. So it's my fault. You're right. There's no fault. Like stop. My fault. Stop my being fault. so. You're ruining a great time, and you saying that we have problems when we don't have problems is extremely we do have frustrating. Problems. We do. But. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was, of course, a clip from this week's Summer House, which I believe to be the best episode of Summer House that Summer House has ever summer housed. Thought it was fantastic. There were so many layers. And you know I love when my Lindsay gets activated. Don't activate me because you've not seen me activated. <laughs> she was activated this episode, you guys. It was so good. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Also, we're going to break down this week's Real Houses of Atlanta. But before we get into any of that, wow, Bethany, wow. Wow, Bethany, wow, WBW. She's come in today with some hot takes. She's been trending on Twitter all day. Of course, I'm talking about Bethany Frankel from The Real Housewives of New York. Now, she's had some opinions on the Meghan Markle Oprah interview that's happening tonight. I haven't watched the interview yet because as of this recording, hasn't happened yet. But I'm very excited to watch. I love Meghan. I support Meghan. Uh, Bethany does not. Ramona has said she does not support other women, and she also does not support Meghan Markle because she went on Twitter. Some real hot takes. Now, she's been talking about it. There's a whole bunch of tweets that she's uh, put about it. And every tweet, she's hashtagging Mary, M-A-R-R-Y, for for Harry and Meghan. You know, she thought she was so clever. <laughs> she thought she was so clever hashtagging their name Mary. I mean, wow. Uh, but she, I'm going to read a couple of these tweets just so you can get an idea of what she's talking about. So she says, uh, cry me a river in regards to Meghan Markle. She says, cry me a river, the plight of being a game show host, fairly unknown actress to suffering in a palace with tiaras and seven figure weddings for two whole years to being a household name with Oprah on speed dial, fetching seven million for interviews, hundreds of millions in media deals. Hashtag Mary. She loves, she loves the hashtag Mary. She also tagged Oprah in it. So she didn't just say Oprah. She tagged Oprah looking for a response to Oprah. Now, she followed up this tweet with, I 100 give Harry a break. This isn't the way to generate less press and cannot be filed under the guise of wanting privacy to prevent a repeat of previous events. If you hate me for saying it here, don't listen to my podcast. Hashtag just be with Bethany. It's littered with my opinion. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to compliment Bethany for a second. She does know how to get us talking. She got her name trending. And it's all for press for this podcast that she's got. Apparently, I think she talks about this Megan Harry stuff on her rant on the podcast. And she comes in from time to time with what I believe to be garbage opinions that she knows is going to get picked up. Now, I'm not saying every opinion of hers is garbage, by the way. This is my opinion. You guys are listening to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino. I'm giving you my hot take. Uh, but she did this, uh, remember when she uh, was talking about that Cardi B song, WAP? She came in with some hot takes. She tweeted about it and then led everyone to her podcast. 
uh, hashtagged it, just be with Bethany. So she knows how to drive traffic over there. I believe it to be uh, with bad opinions, but it is what it is. She knows how to do it. She knows how to play this media game. Remember back in the early Roni days when I think it was uh, Jill or they were accusing each other of going to like Perez Hilton in those early days. And look, they know how to do the media. Maybe Jill Zarin not as much as Bethany. Jill Zarin hasn't quite quite done it, but I believe to be uh, these it takes to be dumb and res- irresponsible. To irresponsible, if I was hashtagging like Bethany, <laughs> hashtag Mary. <laughs> so stupid. Anyway, you guys, she uh, got people talking, and uh, again, I don't believe with uh, any of these opinions. I feel bad for Meghan Markle. That's my opinion. I love her. She's a queen and icon and a legend. Um, but you guys, let's talk about Summer House, uh, shall we? We got to get into it because there were so many different things going on. So many things happening in this house. And I don't know if you noticed, but this was all over the course of one day. 24 hours they got over an episode. Whenever we get one episode that's just 24 hours, that's a good thing. And I've been tough on Summer House. You guys have reached out to me and said, uh, why are you being so hard? And I believe the season has been bad up until this point, but now... I'm hopeful that moving forward, we will be getting some good stuff. Now, also, a lot of you have reached out and asked if I'm Team Kyle and Amanda or Team Hannah. And I got to say, I'm on Team Amanda. Wasn't expecting it. Here we are. I have been tough on Amanda. You guys ask, why don't I like Amanda? And I don't always have a reason. You know, sometimes sometimes with these Bravo celebrities, you like them, you don't like them. And Amanda, uh, something about uh, Amanda and Kyle had always rubbed me the wrong way. But as of this season, you guys, I'm flip-flopping, and I'm on Amanda's side. I'm not feeling Hannah. I'm very upset with Hannah uh, about what's going on in the show. But uh, you guys, so much is happening. So much is happening. Carl lost his brother, which is so so sad. I just want all the best things for Carl. I'm loving him this season, and he is just such a sweet soul. I like sober Carl, uh, but he had to leave the house because his brother passed. And honestly, I was crying tears when he went and told Lindsay, I think it was at the end of last week's episode, and we saw the night vision. Then we saw him on the porch. Ah, you guys, it was so sad. And it was nice to see everyone kind of uh, giving him hugs, and Luke went up to him at one point and said, if you need anything, I'm here. They hugged him. Kyle got so emotional in the kitchen. Kyle was about to cry. He was telling Sierra about uh, Carl's brother, and Kyle was getting choked up, and I just was happy that they were all supporting him. I'm glad that he got out of the house, and hopefully we'll find some healing, and I just want the best for him. I want the best for Carl, and I'm sure he'll be back. Uh, I'm sure he'll be back soon, but, you know, it was devastating to watch. I couldn't imagine getting that phone call that a family member passed. Ugh. Heart goes out to Carl. If you're listening, I'm sure you're not listening, but our, our, everything iconic listeners, Carl, we love you. We're sending you love. Okay, so I mentioned Amanda, and we got to talk about the Amanda, Hannah of it all. Now, this week on the show, they got in the fight in that basement room. That basement room, you guys. I'm so intrigued by the layout of this house. So Paige and Hannah, I believe, are in the basement, and then the kitchen's on the top floor, so they got to rise all those stories to get to the kitchen. Um, but Amanda and Hannah were continuing their fight from last week. So Amanda had sort of thrown a glass. And I believe they added some sound effects or something. I don't think there was like a big shatter. Also, I think they added Amanda saying something. I feel like they ADR'd that, which means they add add a sound in later. Uh, but 
Hannah had said something to Kyle and Amanda about like how Kyle's not allowed to speak to her that way. He could speak to Amanda that way, but not to Hannah. And then she stormed out. She was pissed. And so this week on the show, Hannah was in the basement and she was expecting Amanda to come in and apologize to her about throwing the glass. But Amanda was going in to get an apology from Hannah. Now, I believe they're actually fighting about something else. I think they're fighting about fame. That's what I believe. There's some hidden messaging behind this. Because I think Amanda and Kyle and maybe some of the other people in their house. Now, I don't know the timeline of this. Did she have the Bravo chat room before they went into this house? Or did Bravo chat room start after they did the season of Summer House? Unclear. But I do believe that they're actually fighting about fame. And because uh, there's some hidden, the way they were talking, there was a little hidden meeting. And, you know, if you watch it back, I don't think it's just about what was said about Kyle and the relationship. You know, Hannah has sort of become the breakout. She does have the other show. And even before Bravo Chatroom started, she did start to get a following. She was on tour with their comedy. So I'd imagine everyone in the house is looking at that, like, how did this happen with her? How did she become the the star of this show? And it does seem to me like Hannah went into the season feeling kind of, I as Paige said, a little big for her britches. I don't remember the exact words out of Paige, but Paige even said, uh, Paige is Hannah's best friend that Hannah is getting a little big for her britches. So, you know, I, it's interesting to me, and I'm on Amanda's side, and I've always liked Hannah, but this season I'm turning, and uh, justice for Amanda. Justice for Amanda. Also, we're still dealing with the Luke, Sierra, Hannah of it all. Now, I said that Hannah had the boyfriend who she's now engaged with uh, before she went into how, into the house. Now, a lot of you reached out and said that Hannah actually just started dating him for two weeks before she went into the house, uh, so the relationship was very new. And then she went into the house. She still had feelings for Luke. And then her relationship with that other man, who she's now engaged with, developed uh, more going forward. I still think it was a more serious relationship with that Des man before she went in the summer house. I mean, those two are engaged now. So I bet it was hot and heavy for those first two weeks, if it was just two weeks that they started dating before she went into the house. But I also believe that she was dating uh, maybe before the two weeks. I don't know, you guys. That timeline, nothing adds up to me. And I've heard interviews with some of the other cast members who sort of allude to this fact as well. No one's outright saying it, but I think the timeline doesn't add up. And I do believe they might not want us to know the real timeline. I don't, maybe, does that make me a conspiracy theorist? I'm not sure. <laughs> That's what I believe, you guys, in my heart. What I believe to be true. Okay. And then the best part of this episode was the Lindsay and Steven of it all. So it's their anniversary and Lindsay's birthday. Of course, Lindsay wants something big to be done. And I understood Lindsay's point. She wanted him to put in some effort. Now, the whole episode, Steven, or what, what do they call him? Stravi, Stavi, or whatever the fuck his name is. But he's leading us to believe that he's putting so much work into the celebration. So we we hear him talking to the other cast members, asking to help set it up. He says, I'm going to get food from the restaurant we had, the, or I asked her to be my girlfriend in or whatever. Meanwhile, it was fucking fish and chips, you guys. Fish and fucking chips. <laughs> that's, what he, that's what he got her, and he picked it up at like fucking 4.30. So then by the time she got, Lindsay sat down for that meal. It was dark out, probably 7.30 or 8 by the time she sat down to have those fish and chips. I'm sure it was all soggy. A French fry doesn't last. A French fry doesn't last, if there's one thing I've learned here in my 30-something years on Earth, it's that a French fry does not last very long. We just got takeout the other night. And if you don't sit down and eat that French fry, within 30 minutes, it's just soggy, it's a mess. You either got to put it back in the air fryer or something. I don't believe Stephen put those fries or those chips back in the air fryer. 
Mm-mm. Or those chi- or the uh, fish. The fish was breaded. Fish and chips is always breaded, isn't it? Now, I'm not a seafood either eater, but I believe fish, in regards to fish and chips, it's always fried. By the time Lindsay sat down to eat, it was a probably a soggy uh, mess. Soggy mess. And that he made a big deal about getting that food. And I'm thinking, I bet Lindsay would have liked some fresh fish or something. Cook it. I understand ordering it, but maybe don't order the fish and chips. That's going to be ruined after a half an hour. But he puts in, he, he says he puts in all this effort. Meanwhile, he just threw like a, a card table out by the pool. He didn't even position it in the right position. Did you notice this table that he had set up by the pool? It was like half on grass and half on the concrete. I was like, put it on one or the other, Stephen. <laughs> I was getting so mad at that. I don't know. It was like bothering my eye. Not that I'm some big designer, but I was thinking any idiot could look at that table and say, you either need to put it all the way on the grass or all the way on the concrete, because I'm sure that fucking thing was wobbly. Sure. It was wobbling all over the place. Like me after Chipotle, just wobbling because it didn't seem like it was on an even field. And then he put like sort of a, what it was a tablecloth or some sort of cloth he put over it, but it wasn't proper size for that card table. So it was just sort of like half. You could see the legs of the card table. It's a mess. Um, and then you got the soggy fish and he acted like he spent the whole fucking week doing that as if he spent the whole week just putting all the effort into this. And then he also got her that picture, which I'm sorry, you guys, that picture. Whoo, what was that? I asked you. What the fuck was that? He ordered a picture where he, it was a picture he took with Lindsay that he commissioned to have painted or something. I'm sorry. What is she going to do with that? You can't hang that up in your house. I mean, it was her in like a, by a, in a pool chair. <laughs> it was so weird that he got commissioned that painting. Um, what was Lindsay going to do with that? Hang it up in the summer house? You know, a big ass painting of herself in a pool chair. It didn't even look like a picture that you would have painted. Like maybe if it was like a professional photography photo. Um, I understand that she probably said at one point, like, oh, I love this picture of us. But that doesn't mean, just because you say you love a picture of yourself or you with your partner, it doesn't mean you want to commission an oil painting of it. Not interested. Um, also, in the painting that he bought her as the gift, the original picture that it was like painted off of had him in it, too. And then he took himself out, I believe. Did I see that wrong? I think the painting that he was going to give her as the gift didn't have him in it. Like, he cut it out. So it was weird all around. So with all that said, I've been very hard on Stephen. Who, by the way, again, uh, I don't think they have cameras in the room that Stephen... He's always in that room in his office, and we only see him through the uh, reflection of that mirror. I don't believe he existed um, outside of that mirror shot um, until this episode when we saw him at that weird card table that was half on the concrete, half on the grass. But I know I've been hard on this man. Uh, but I do want to say that Lindsay doesn't make it easy either, because I believe she probably, it probably, she probably is difficult to be in a relationship with. We've seen it in the past. We've seen her get activated with the other men. And look, we're in a pandemic. I can't imagine anyone thinking that, like, you should plan a big thing for any birthday. I'm sorry, that's me. Uh, as we're all going through so much. And then on top of that, Carl lost his brother, like, within 24 hours. So at a certain point, like, why don't you just say, like, you know, forget my birthday. Let's all just be together as a house. Let's, you know, grieve for Carl. Let's just relax. But she wanted a big hoopla. She wanted a lot to happen. And so no matter what this man did, she would always be let down because she was expecting a lot. And at one point she said, you know, you, she, he used to be romantic. He took her on a plane ride and did all this. He says he took her to 
Paris or took her on a trip, took her on a plane, did all these romantic things. And then she said, yeah, and then you got the girl. And then it was all over. So implying that he just hasn't done anything romantic. And I believe she's probably right on some level. I'm not the type of person that expects a lot in terms of like, I don't need someone to do a bunch of uh, romantic gestures. Matt's good at that, I will say. You know, he's done some really cute stuff for, for me in the 10 years we've been together. But I don't really like need it. Um, Lindsay seems to need a lot of that, which I guess Stephen knew going into the relationship, so it shouldn't be uh, that much of a surprise for him. But I feel like he can never live up to what she has in her head. And immediately when she sat down, you guys, and she looked at that fish and chips, when, when he started pouring it, it was in like a to-go container. He couldn't even put it in a bowl. That was pissing me off, too. He got all that takeout food, and it was still in just the plastic containers. It was like Stephen... Guy, like, you can put some nice plates out, plate the food up. Even Mrs. Doubtfire could plate the food before she served it to the family. Hello! (laughs) That was a terrible Mrs. Doubtfire impression. Hello! I don't know, you guys. I used to be able to do a Mrs. Doubtfire. Can't do it now. Um, Can't do it now. Uh, Whenever I say Mrs. Doubtfire, I just want to say run by fruiting. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, he could have plated the food like Mrs. Doubtfire did in the film. What, he couldn't get a fucking plate? And then meanwhile, the other women too in the house, like Paige was helping him with that card table. And I felt like Paige, she's got a good eye. I know that from her social media. She's got a good eye, a good aesthetic. She could have set something up, made it look pretty or gotten out a plate or something. What was Paige thinking? Huh? SOS on Paige, because I feel like Paige, Amanda, Sierra was helping too at one point. I Sierra doesn't have a good eye. You guys, we've seen that room. Hasn't been cleaned since she got there. I swear that room looks like a yard sale for a hoarder. Doesn't Sierra's room, it's like, what's going on in there? There's so much stuff, so much stuff everywhere on the bed, on the floor. I just want to run through there with a sweeper and a mop. And Sierra, you need to clean up that room. Just fold up the clothes once in a while. I'm not saying every day, it doesn't got to be spotless. But compared to all the other rooms, you know, the other rooms we see, they look fairly clean. We see Carl making his bed every day. And then we cut to Sierra and my eyes just go like bug out of my head like I'm in a cartoon or something. I mean, what is happening in that room, Sierra? We need you to clean. Also, Sierra's not interested in reality TV at all. I can tell. (laughs) She's there and she's beautiful. And I like that we have her. Because she's like a nice presence in the house. Okay, so this isn't shade to Sierra. But she definitely doesn't want to be on reality TV. I don't believe she cares to play the game at all. And that's a good thing in real life. As a human, I support that in Sierra. And it is good that we get a more stable presence on this show. Um, but she's really not interested in having of these uh, any of these conversations that we're supposed to have on reality TV. She just seems to be there to relax and have a vacation. And I salute that. I salute that, Sierra. Uh, so, you guys, that's uh, that's Summer House. I thought it was excellent. That Again, so many layers over the course of 24 hours. I hope this is the path we're on with Summer House and we continue on. I mentioned on the last episode of the podcast where I had the original cast of The Real World. If you haven't listened to that, go listen. It's great. Uh, also, there's a Jessica Simpson detour that is um, important. Go listen. Um, but... I had mentioned I've been watching those old episodes of The Real World, which are more relaxed. It's a different pace of reality TV. It's more about the conversations they're having than uh, than produced drama. And so I am sort of liking Summer House as I'm watching it through the lens of that, if that makes any sense to you guys. Um, so I'm enjoying it, hopeful that they keep keep this up on Summer House, because I need this. I need Summer House to be good. 
I do. Um, okay, you guys, should we uh, talk about the Real Houses of Atlanta? All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. Same, but you're not because letting me something talk. that we cannot even Can speak about. Okay, so I don't know how to address oh. you. Drew, why the hell are you singing? <laughs> You guys, there's so much fucking improvised singing on The Real Houses of Atlanta this season. Truly, I used to live in Chicago and do all the improv classes at Second City and the I.O., and they used to offer improvised music classes where you would improvise a musical. And I honestly feel like The Real Houses of Atlanta does more improvised music than any of those classes at Second City in Chicago ever did. I mean, even later in the episode, it was uh, Portia and Drew and Shamia, they were at the store and they were singing like an improvised version of never say never, never, like they were singing. It's so funny. And then Drew at the at the table with Kenya singing. You guys, it's just so much. And I'm, I love it. I love every second of it. Give me all the improvised music. At this point, we're just watching a musical. I mean, West Side Story, Wicked, they wish they had the musical talents of the Realists of Atlanta because they're giving us everything. And I love it. I love it. So this week we open on Portia with her sister and Miss Diane. Uh, you guys, I love Portia's mom. Love her. So Portia's mom actually reveals that she had a similar stripper experience for her bachelorette party or at someone's bachelorette party. And uh, she said the ex-husband came and was like, what are you doing? And yelled at her. And she said, I'm not with you. And I love that. I love that these women are strong enough to just be doing what they want to do in terms of the stripper fun. With these men, uh, These it shouldn't be of any interest to these men if they're not with them. So good for Miss Diane. I love her. I love her. Now, this episode is four days until Cynthia's wedding. So Cynthia's wedding, her dress hasn't come yet because of the pandemic. There's all these other issues. But I have to focus on the fact that Drew is allegedly singing Monica's Angel of Mine at the wedding. Did anyone hear that? What the fuck was that about? They were on the phone and Drew all of a sudden revealed she's singing. And then it was Angel of Mine. And I'm like, what's happening here? Am I missing something? Was this discussed before? Now, Drew's actually a great singer, and she was on this podcast. Great interview, if you haven't heard it yet. But Drew, I do believe, is a great singer, and I'm excited. Uh, but it was just shocking to me, because I didn't even think Drew and Cynthia were that good of friends. So the idea that Drew's going to do anything behind a microphone at Cynthia's wedding is surprising, let alone sing a Monica song. One of the best, Mo- I mean, Monica's got so many songs, you guys. Ooh, Monica. The other day, I was sitting in my room listening to uh What's that? Uh, don't take it personal. Uh, just one of them days. 
because I love that song. Uh, okay, so yeah, she's singing at the party, at the wedding reception. If it even happens at this point, Cynthia's wedding is a mess. It's got the groomsmen's aren't coming and nobody's dresses or tuxes are in. It's a big hot mess because she's doing it in the midst of a global pandemic. It's a large wedding. Um, and so things are happening and I don't really feel bad because she is deciding to throw it in the midst of a global pandemic. Sorry to bring that up again. I know you guys hate that when I bring it up. You hate it. Um, uh, let's talk about Marlo's harvest party. So uh, she's throwing it later in the episode. Uh, but it was interesting to me when all the gals were talking like, Oh, are you going to Marlo's harvest party? And I thought like, that's exactly where I want to be. I love a harvest party. I love a fall theme. You know, I, I'm a seasonal gal. I love anything sweater weather, love a Christmas theme. I love a holiday. And so when they said Marlo's Harvest Party, I thought, oh, I am excited. Very excited. Uh, and speaking of holiday, Kenya, we saw her on the phone with her dad, who looks a bit like Santa. And she says that her situation with Mark has brought her closer to her dad. And look, I'm feeling for Kenya every week, but at a certain point, it's starting to bum me out, all this Kenya Mark stuff. I'm starting to just feel like every time she's on scene, when she's at the therapist office or when she's complaining about the situation with Mark, I'm like, just get out of there because I am bummed out. That's the feeling I get every time I see Kenya on screen lately. And I want to see fun Kenya. I like fun, shady Kenya, but this, and again, I feel empathetic for her. I want her to get out of that situation with Mark, but I don't know. We did get that fun moment of her and Drew at dinner. We played the clip of them singing, but everything just went left and they boxed up the food. They couldn't seem to get, uh, to make amends or get on the same page, but they did box up the food and Drew suggested splitting the bill. And Kenya said, and I quote, broke bitches split the bill. I'm not going to sit here and calculate how much tax I owe. And I will say I related to that moment. I hate splitting the bill at dinner. I hate it. It never, when you're out with friends, it never ends up being split fairly. You know, like I'll have a Diet Coke and then everyone else will have like a steak and lobster meal and then I got to pay uh, the money for them. You know, it never it happens to be even. Um, also, it's just a pain in the ass. Everyone's got the calculator. I don't like it. I mean, I feel like that's something you do in your 20s, though. I get it. Um, but I don't know. I hate splitting the bill, you guys. Hate it. Hate it. Um, and also, you don't want to ask the waiters to do it either. It's like rude to make them do it. I've been a server before, and it's just a big pain in the ass when somebody says, can you split the bill up? It's like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> That's how good of a server I was. I'd be like, no, I don't want to. Not interested. You guys can split the bill. Here's a calculator. I'd give them a T9 calculator. Do they still make those? Remember those T TI9? What are they? TI90? No, ti is married to Tiny. What am I talking about? The T9 calculators. You guys know what I'm saying. The ones with the... In high school, we would have those calculators and you'd, you would... Um, why can't I think of any words today? You would hack them and you'd put games on them. Or you'd write boob by using 8008 and then hand it to a friend and you thought it was so funny. You'd be like, ha ha, I wrote boob on the calculator. <laughs> so, so fucking funny. Uh, anyway, I'm not interested in splitting the bill if I'm a server or if I'm one of the guests or the patrons at the restaurant. So then we cut to Cynthia and Mal. And Cynthia says, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. No shit. No shit. She lost the bridesmaid, the groomsmen, the ring don't fit for hashtag my kill. Um, Mom needs a new dress. There's a hurricane coming in. Uh, it's not going well. Now, Mallory brings up the page six stripper story. So page six was the first to reveal that some of the cast members from the show might have slept with Bolo the stripper. So I didn't even realize until just this moment that Mal, Cynthia's 
uh, sister and number one was not even invited to this Bolos stripper party for the Bachelorette. I felt bad for Mel. Hashtag justice for Mel because she didn't get to see Bolo's big thing. I mean, good. I wish she would have been there. She should have been on that vacation, Mel. Sometimes I like Mel. I'm not even sure why. You know, I just feel like I like Mel. She seems nice and just, uh, you know, she calls it how she sees it. Remember she called it out with Peter? She's, she didn't like Peter. Mallory calls it as she sees it. She's a straight shooter. She's quiet. She's quiet, so she doesn't seem like she's going to bring the drama. And then all of a sudden she does. I like Mel. Um, then we cut to... Oh, Marlo's pumpkin patch party. Now, Candy is the first to arrive, and then Kenya. And they're trying to figure out who leaked this to page six, the story about Bolo and the stripper. And I feel like production leaked it. That's what I believe. I don't think any of the women did. I think one of the producers was like, hey, we need to get some stuff going on this show. Let's leak it to page six. That's what I would do if I was producing, at least. I mean, we don't know that they did that for sure. But it seems like it would have been the smart move for one of them producers, a PA or something. You, or you know what I feel like probably happened? One of the producers went to a PA and was like, hey, if you email page six, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing for your job. You know, that's how I imagine it happening. And then the PA just goes to page six looking for that promotion. <laughs> I'm not sure how that's how business is run over at Bravo, but that's what I believe in my head. That's the picture I'm painting. Um, so, yeah, I'm not... I'm not sure who leaked it, but it was probably either production or Kenya. You know, Kenya seems very guilty of it, too. I'm not saying outright that she leaked it to people, but I am implying it. She definitely uh, has told other people about it. She might have been the one who told the PA, like, hey, go. She might have slipped him a 20 and said, go leak this to page six. I'm not sure. But somebody did. And as they're all trying to figure out who did it, Tanya's missing. And apparently, Tanya fled off to Canada. And the producers of this show, they put up a wanted poster. You guys, I died. I died when they put up that wanted poster of Tanya. It said, you know, it was like one of those, you know what I'm talking about, wanted posters that they put in like those old Wild Wild West movies. Um, It was so funny, Tanya, who flew the coop to uh, Canada. I would have flew the coop too. You know, Tanya didn't want to be involved. She already was the, she already basically admitted that she was one of the ones who was with Bolo that night. She said she had some snacks in Porsche's room. And then, uh, we know that means she was probably involved. So Tanya had to fly the coop. She had to go to Canada. You know, she had to go. Um, let's see. All the women sit around at the pumpkin patch and they talk about Cynthia doing the post snap, which I can't believe she's doing the post snap either. I feel like after all that happened with Peter, she should not be doing a post-snup. And I just think everyone should get a prenup. I just sort of feel like it should just be a thing. It seems easier. Half people get divorced anyway. It doesn't mean, I don't believe it to mean like you're going into the marriage thinking it's going to fail. I, to me, that's silly. I just think it's like extra protection. It's like you sign any contract you sign, you would want to make sure that you have some protection in the long run. So it seems like just a normal thing to me, but I don't know. Everyone always makes a big deal on these shows. I'm like, just sign a fucking prenup. So much easier. Stop making a big deal. If we normalize it, if everyone were to just do it, when you got married, it would be normalized. And then there wouldn't be any of this sort of like, oh, that means you don't love the person or you don't believe in the marriage. It's like, no, it would just be a normal thing. I don't know. Who am I to judge? Actually, I'm, I am who to judge because I have a podcast where I judge. That's the whole point of this show. So I'm judging. So then, oh, they played at the pumpkin patch. They played all these games with the slingshot. That was fun. That was fun, wasn't it? I love a, I love a pumpkin patch. I love a seasonal game now. I felt like I was in the fall. That's how I felt. I felt like we were in October. 
watching it. So fun. They talk about Fallon too briefly. I thought, what happened to Fallon? We lost Fallon. Latoya shaded Drew's wig again. She said, I've never seen you have a cute wig. Latoya's always being mean to Drew's wigs. I don't like it. I feel like defensive of it. I'm like, stop being so mean to Drew. Drew's nice. I'm liking Drew more and more every week. And that whole relationship she's got with Portia with her improvised singing. Love it. Uh, let's see. Portia, speaking of, she couldn't arrive to the pumpkin patch because she went an hour and 14 minutes away. And they showed a map of where Portia drove. And they showed Portia's like, I went to Narnia. I went. To, they showed it on the map on the screen. The graphic designers this episode really deserve an A+. Give them an Emmy. Give them an Emmy. They did so much graphic design work this episode. I mean, we were basically watching a CGI cartoon because it was all graphic design on the screen. So much was going on. Um, so give them an Emmy. Uh, Portia, though, I did feel bad that she didn't make it. They, uh, some of the women waited around for her a long time. It was nighttime by the time Portia arrived, and it was probably upsetting. I bet you Portia really did get lost, and she was probably calling up like, look, I went through all the trouble of getting my hair and makeup done. I've been driving out of the way, so somebody better be there to film with me. You know, Portia said, y'all got to wait around until I get there. And some of the women, Candy was like, I'm leaving. She's like, I'm getting home. But some of the women, Marlo stuck around, and Marlo actually confronted Portia. And they had to, did you see, they didn't have proper lighting, so they had to use, like, Portia's car lights to light them, which I thought was funny, because I don't think they were expecting to be around that late. But they were lit by Portia's headlights, and Marlo says she feels like Portia's ignoring her because of her newfound friendship with Kenya. And Portia says, like, look, I'm going to be skeptical of you, Marlo. She's not, uh, you know, she's, you're not going to bamboozle her. Not going to bamboozle her. Then we get a scene with Candy at the Blaze restaurant, with the, the steak restaurant that they got now. Ooh, it's making me hungry. Do you hear my stomach growling right now? Do you hear it? It was growling right now because I heard I said the word steak restaurant. I'm hungry. And all the food, Candy, I haven't been to one of her restaurants, but I'm dying to. Because it all sounds good. I've heard only the best things about the food at OLG restaurants, so I need to go. Um, so then we have that scene where we already talked about Portia and Drew and Chimia shopping at a baby store, singing. Then this uh, episode ends with Kenya at the therapist. And she just needs to cut off this Mark Daly. She does reveal that um, in her childhood, Kenya was 15 and dated a 26-year-old. You guys, what an asshole, that 26-year-old. I don't trust a 26-year-old that's dating a 15-year-old girl. I don't trust it. Whoever that is, if you're listening to this show, get out of here. You're not allowed to listen anymore. If you're that person who dated Kenya Moore at 15 while you were 26, stop listening to Everything Iconic because we are mad at you. We do not care for you. It's inappropriate. Unacceptable. Inappropriate. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories so much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made 
for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y, dot com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Are you guys watching that? Not to not to get off here, but are you guys watching that Woody Allen documentary? Very fascinating, but very tough to watch. I got to see all four episodes. They sent me an advance of it. And uh, it's very intense to watch, you guys. I watch it because it's so compelling and intriguing, and I feel uh, devastated for the family. But it's a lot. So if, you, if you're looking for something to watch, it's good. But just go into it knowing that it's tough. You know, I watch that. Now I'm binging the OC. I don't know if you guys follow me on social media, at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter Instagram. But I'm uh, binging the OC for the first time in years. I don't think I've watched the whole series through since it aired. I did watch it when it aired. And it's so fun to relive those fashions, you guys. Relive the fashions, the drama of it all. I'm hoping they reboot it. All the episodes are on HBO Max. And they're rebooting The Gossip Girl. So I feel like they're going to be rebooting The O.C. And it's just so rewatching Julie Cooper. And when I was younger, I had a crush on Ryan. And Luke, too, by the way. You guys, Luke. Whoo! You guys, Luke. That man. That man, Luke. Luke on The O.C., you guys. Let's take a moment of silence for that man. Whew. I am, I am in love with him. I mean, he's beautiful. And he starts off the show as an asshole, you know, welcome to those sea bitch. And then he becomes likable later on, but he's still so gorgeous to look at. I mean, he was a sexual awakening for me on those Abercrombie and Fitch bags. I remember when I was younger, I'd go to Abercrombie and Fitch or you'd go to the mall and you'd see people walking with those bags with the men without the blouse on, on the bag. And every time I'd see it, my heart would, would pitter patter. I would start sweating. I got so excited when I saw. And then, uh, yeah, he's just a beautiful man. That face. Now he's on Grey's Anatomy, that man. Apparently he was on Nashville. I never watched Nashville. I might do it. Anyway, um, also, I love Summer on The O.C. I love Julie Cooper. You guys are so sassy. Uh, we just watched the episode. We watched like 10 episodes already. And we watched the episode where they go to TJ, Tijuana. Um, they keep calling it TJ. And then Marissa ODs on some Vicodin that Summer had gotten for her stepmom uh, in Mexico. And then she technically dies, they say, um, in the alleyway. But Ryan picks her up dramatically, carries her, and they off to safety. Um, anyway, you guys, I don't know why I basically just recapped a season of The O.C. I'm sorry. I know you're all here to listen about The Real Houses of Atlanta. Um, but to recap that, Luke makes me wet. And let's get into The Real Houses of Atlanta. Where were we? Oh, the end of the episode. So Kenya's with the therapist. And... Look, I'm empathetic for her. She's crying. She's talking about all this stuff with Mark. At the end of the therapy session, the therapist says, you need to exhale. You need to exhale. And then Kenya ended with, did I tell you I was in waiting to exhale? (laughs) I love that Kenya was just in the midst of tears, feeling so bad about her relationship with Mark Daly and where it was headed. 
you know, she was really thinking about her life in that moment. You could see behind her eyes she was going through so much pain, but she still found a way to get a little promo in for her appearance in the movie Waiting to Exhale, which is a classic film. I would, too. If I was in the movie Waiting to Exhale, I'd have t-shirts made. I'd tell everyone. Everywhere I'd go, I'd be like, hey, did you know I was in Waiting to Exhale? So I get it, Kenya. Uh, but that's the Kenya I love. That's the Kenya I love. So, you guys, that's this week's uh, Real Houses of Atlanta. Next week on the show, we have Eva is back, Cynthia's wedding, Dennis and Portia sit down for a meal, and then some more Drew versus LaToya and Kenya versus Portia. You guys, I, I'm loving it. This episode was a little bit, a little bit filler, but I don't know. I'm reinvigorated by Atlanta Housewives. So even though not a whole lot of drama happened, I was still enjoying it. Um, so before I let you guys go, I do want to say that over on the Patreon page, if you want to support this podcast, you can go over there. Just go to the website, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash everything iconic. And if you click become a patron and if you donate $4 or more per month, you get access to the bonus episodes. And I do one a month, and I'm currently recapping Sex in the City from the beginning. And you guys, it's so fun. We've done nine episodes. I, or I got the ninth or tenth one will be out this week. And it's so fun. There's a lot of crazy fashions. They also, speaking of HBO Max, they just put all the episodes up there on HD. So uh, more importantly uh, than those bonus episodes, it's a way to support this podcast. So thank you to everyone who's over there. Again, just doing one episode a month. Um, but the money helps to support this show. So thank you. And if you want to support, you can also go to everythingiconic.store. And we have all sorts of new merch. We have wine glasses. We have t-shirts. We have Wow Bethany Wow shirts there. I think there's still a couple available. If you want to get one in support of, uh, or not support of Bethany's tweets. I mean, Wow Bethany Wow. Wow. I'll never tire of that. Um, okay, so at the end of the episodes, you guys know I do our cheesy little cooldowns, and I've got these uh, meditation cards, and I'm going to try to read one on some of the episodes. And last time I did it, I couldn't remember uh, where these came from. They came in the mail with some gift I got, and uh, I did find the box. So they are called the I Am Everything Affirmation Card Deck. This is not a promo. It's just a, I got them in the mail. Um, and they were created by Teresha Clark. Um, so they are called the I Am Everything Affirmation Card Deck. So there's a bunch of cards in there with the, these sayings on them. And I believe they're good sayings, so I got them. And I'm like, I'm going to read these. instead of do, When we do our little cool down, instead of doing our breathing exercises, we'll read one of these. So this one today, at the top of the card, it says, I am perceptive. So tell yourself that. I am perceptive. And then uh, remind yourself of these words. My intuition is powerful. When I am unsure, my intuition is sure. I strengthen my intuition by trusting it and responding to its impulses. I am perceptive. So I do think this is an important lesson for us all. We have our intuition. And uh, if there's one thing I learned from Jules, Jewel in the early aughts, remember she came out with that song, Intuition? <laughs> you need to trust your intuition. Didn't they use that song for like the Razor commercials? Remember it finally uh, intuition. I can't sing. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Or do these just sound like words? Remember Jewel the singer? She came out with a song called Intuition. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is you should trust that intuition. Trust your gut. Your gut knows. Your gut knows, you guys. Be intuitive. Um, I love you all so much for listening. Stay safe out there. Uh, I'm sending love to you all. 
Take a deep breath uh, and be sure to breathe in and out. I love you. Uh, talk soon. Bye-bye.